Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I've gone with the strange title, Sounds Unsound. And the scripture lesson or passage is John 18.38. It's not on the slide, so just listen. John writes, What is truth? retorted Pilate. With that, he went out to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, that is, Jesus. What is truth? Last time I was at this pulpit, it was 31st December 2018. So warning, after so long, this intro might be longer than the sermon itself. So first question, what happened to you? Well, last Sunday I slipped while mopping the floor at home, landed on my left shoulder and suffered what the medical people call a distal clavicle displacement fracture, broken bone. (laughs) It's supposed to heal naturally, but it'll take four to six weeks. So please pray for me. Number two, what have you been doing since retirement? Must say, uh, my wife told me to do this because I think many people ask her. Well, mostly, uh, why I retired in the first place. My parents are in their 90s and stay with my sister. I help at least four mornings a week with parental care duties, plus hospital, appointment, transport, etc. At home, I do laundry. So twice a week, I can say I am Iron Man. (laughs) Of course, this is on hold temporarily. Number three, Uh, some of you may know this already, but uh, just in case, you know the the tune that we sing to, uh, we sing the Lord's Prayer called Wesley Tolus. Yeah, the composer Yusuf Kham passed away uh, earlier this year. And, uh, well, we worked together at Wesley for 14 years. So he will be missed. Okay, now, <clears throat> real uh, sermon intro. Believe it or not, I still have my set three English textbook, part of a series written by our own teachers at ACS. I think Kim in the front here might remember that set of textbooks. One of the things I learned was alliteration. And the best one I can recall adapted for today's sermon goes like this. You can flash it up in case they don't understand what I'm going to say. This is the alliteration. Sound sounds sound sounder than unsound sounds. Bit of a tongue twister, huh? Sound sounds sound sounder than unsound sounds. Now, if you think about it, this makes absolute sense. Um, it sounds sound. sound uh, <laughs> I lost my place. <clears throat> and. Uh, We should always prefer what is sound rather than what is unsound. But you know, I've come to learn that many people instead prefer what sounds better than what is sound. Did you get that? People prefer what sounds better than what is sound. For example, anyone did an ART recently? 
last two weeks? Wow, all hero never go. Okay. All right. I did uh, two a couple of weeks ago because I had a throat bug. No worry, C minus. Uh, by the way, I think ART is the only time when a C minus is a better result than C plus. Um, do you remember what ART stands for? Antigen Rapid Test. But do you know that's not the real, uh, that's not how it's properly called. Actually, it's the rapid antigen test. But what, what would you prefer, to take an ART or a RAT? <laughs> No-brainer, right? That's why they changed it to make it sound better. People like what sounds better, naturally. But you know what? I've also come to learn that often what sounds better is untrue. It's the untruth. It's the lie. Um, lies often sound better than the truth. Two examples. Number one, we are not going to invade Ukraine. Number two, what if we just in, inject disinfectant into the body? Maybe you cure COVID. Well, for the first one, who doesn't like peace instead of war? Only it was untrue. There was the invasion and there is war. Number two, who doesn't like a cure for COVID? But that again was not true. And to me, probably the worst thing is that these two these two statements or sayings came from two heads of state. So like Pilate, we may also react. So what is truth? What is truth? Now, in the Gospel of John especially, I've learned that truth is not really about true versus false. Let me give you an example. Melvin is fat. True. Melvin is not fat. False. Many years ago, some caring and well-meaning, simple-minded people tried to help me by encouraging me, you are becoming fat. My reply, too late. <laughs> you cannot become what you already are. You cannot become what you already are. Just like you cannot give what you do not have. But true versus false is not the emphasis in John. So let's look at a few verses which I'm going to read very quickly and then bring it together. John 8.32 You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Famous verse. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. John 17.17 17, 17, 17. Sanctify them with your truth. Your Word is truth. John 14.6 Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, to know God and to know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Now we pull it all together. The word, or logos, is Jesus. The truth also is Jesus. I am the truth. So both word and truth refer to Jesus. 
So when John says, the truth shall set us free, he does not mean true versus false will set us free. He means Jesus, the truth, will set us free when we come to know Jesus. And the word know is not brain knowledge. It's not cognitive. It's a relationship with God, which is why eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. So, biblical truth is basically not about true and false. In John especially, truth is a person, first of all. And his name is Jesus. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. And therefore, because we follow Jesus, the truth, that is why we also stand for truthfulness. Because we follow Jesus, the truth, we stand for truthfulness. And even more than this, because I think this difference needs to be understood so crucially, its implication is that we follow Jesus, the truth, wherever it takes us. Even if it brings us to a place where the truth is uncomfortable. Even if we don't agree. A couple of weeks ago, Selena preached and she mentioned the uh, clock tower, ACS clock tower revival. I'm a product of that revival. And also blame it for me ending up as a pastor. These, those days, we used to sing many scripture songs, songs taken directly, word for word, from the Bible. And one of them goes like this. The voice is a bit sticky, but I'll try my best. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, though he fall, he shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Better stop. <clears throat> Psalm 30, that's from Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. He delights in him, though he may stumble. This is the softer translation. The word actually is fall. I checked with uh, our professor Antonio, Old Testament scholar, uh, in between services. Though he stumble, he may not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Um, fall Actually, I, I think correct is fall and um, cast down rather than uh, fall in the second instance. Well, um, Emmanuel used this verse to preach watch night service. I'm sure nobody here can recall, <laughs> but never mind. I listen because of my vested interest. But I got a big problem with these verses. I think they are pro problematic. Very high level of problem. I used uh, movie illustration, but I didn't register with the last service, so I'll go skip that. <laughs> yeah, let's think about it together. If the steps of a man, the word good is not in the original, the steps of a man are ordered. Uh, the word it means made firm or established. If the steps of a man are established by God, he delights in him. Uh, not sure whether God delights in the man or man delights in God or both. But never mind. 
If a man's steps are established by God, how can he fall? Even it stumble. Do you get what my kind of thinking? Uh, many people dare not go that way because they think God's lightning bolt will strike them. But I'm saying, God, what's happening here? If you establish my steps, how can I start, fall, even stumble? And then, at least, even though in the end, you will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That means to me, actually, that is luggious. Because the Lord has not only established my steps, the God is holding my hand, I can stumble and fall. Do you see a problem? I see a problem. People dare not see a problem? Well, to me, this verse is not fair. I don't agree and I don't like it. And now I can say I know a bit about falling, literally, a bit more than most. But you know, this is God's Word. This is the Scripture. This is God's truth. And so, my response is, I will submit. I will accept God's truth. No matter where it takes me, whether I like it or not. Okay, don't worry, I'm going to finish last testimony. It will take a bit of time though. Many years ago, late 1980s, I was PIC at Trinity Methodist Church. One Saturday afternoon, I was in my office and a call, I, re- I received a call from my maternal grandmother, my late maternal grandmother, mother's mother. She said, Melvin, I want you to go to SGH to baptize my uh, uncle. So that's my great-granduncle. Doctors say he has only two or three days to live. Well, that was the only time she did such a thing. But it's my grandma. Must obey, right? So I go down and see him. This guy is totally out, totally unconscious, tubes sticking out all over the place. So what to do? Just baptize him, say the baptismal words, and I baptized him, and I left. He didn't die. Doctor said he would not walk again. One month later, he walked out of hospital. Long story short, he emigrated to Canada and lived another 10 years. This is not Wah Banana on YouTube. Huh? <clears throat> well, when he died, they had him cremated and they brought his ashes back to Singapore and asked me to do the service and the scattering of ashes at sea. And his widow asked me to baptize her. So I got to baptize my great-grand-uncle and my great-grand-aunt. That's one of the perks of being a pastor. During the service, um, his daughter, that would be my grand-aunt, something like that, 
said, in closing, we will always have a part of Him in us. Oh, sounds good. So we went to see, and at that time, not so many regulations. Uh, don't need earn nothing. You just go and just let go of the ashes. And in Canada, at that time, when they cremated, they really cremate. I think, as far as I understood, they put it in the furnace for eight hours. And so it's all ash in a plastic bag. No bone fragments like in Singapore. So when it came time to release the ashes, I just took the ashes out and released. But the stupid boatman, he changed direction. <laughs> and all the ashes, instead of falling into the sea, came back on all of us. I think I inhaled. <laughs> and as far as I know from the doctors or whatever, whatever goes into your lungs stays there. Cannot come out. So up to this day, I still have part of him in me. Good story, huh? But it's true. That's the truth. I'm not even embellishing any, although I've been tempted to. You know, I don't like this testimony. I don't like to tell this story. Because I know someone is going to say, you see, because he was baptized. All these good things happen to him. So you need to get baptized too. I don't want to propagate any kind of superstition about baptism. I shared this over pulpit maybe three, four times at most. And personally, I can tell you, just like Psalm 37, I'm not happy with the way God handled this. But you know, from this incident, and from Psalm 37, this is what I have learned. And if you forget anything else or everything else from the sermon, please remember this. This is the lesson. I have no right to expect God to live up to my expectations of Him. I have no right to expect God to live up to my expectations of Him. You think that's obvious, huh? Many people do this. Uh, they're angry at God because God didn't do what they think He should. Instead, I need to, to live up to God's expectations of me. I say that very quickly again. I have no right to expect God to live up to my expectations of Him, I instead need to live up to His expectations of me. That, to me, is truth and truthfulness for today. That is sound theology. It doesn't sound good, but it is sound. So as we participate in Holy Communion today, let us pray for God's grace to always follow Jesus the truth and to stand for truthfulness no matter where it leads us, whether we like it or not. This is who we are. This is what we do. Make it so. Let us pray. Dear God, our Father, we submit to you and submit to Jesus who is truth. Give us grace to always stand for truthfulness.
Help us when we are disappointed with you, but help us understand that is not our right. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.